Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. We are welcoming back Dr. Annie Andrews. We talked to her over the summer about gun violence. She's the CEO and founder of Their Future, founder of Their Future PAC, and um, Their Future PAC has a candidate endorsement. But first, I want to go back to uh, the PAC and what it's been working on and how Annie feels about the new announcement about the White House Office for Gun Violence Prevention. Welcome, Dr. Andrews, back to our radio show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be back. Uh, First of all, you know, we had this big White House announcement. Kamala Harris is going to be running the White House Office for Gun Violence Prevention, going to coordinate all these efforts Joe Biden saying again that an assault weapons ban has got to be part of our future. What were your thoughts when you saw that? It's it's incredibly encouraging. You know, I've been doing this work in my community and all across the country to prevent gun violence. Gun violence is now the leading cause of death for children in this country and it is so encouraging to have leaders in the White House who understand the urgency of this public health crisis and who are willing to do the big things that we need to create the positive change that our children and everyone in our communities deserve. And this has been a long time coming. There have been grassroots efforts all across this country for years pushing for a big move like this from the White House. So it's incredibly encouraging. I continue to feel so optimistic that if we elect the right members of Congress, in 2024 with the right folks in the White House that we can have that watershed moment in gun safety legislation that we are all so ready for. Has anybody from this new White House office reached out to your organization? Not yet, no. You know, I also work very closely and work for Every Town for Gun Safety and Moms Demand Action. And, you know, a senior member of that organization is now one of the deputy directors of this White House office. So there's going to be a lot of coordination happening. And that's what's so exciting because there's so many organizations doing this work. But we need coordination at the federal level. And we need to send a strong message to voters that this is something that our White House cares about. And if you also care about this issue, you should work hard to reelect Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Amen to that. Now, you guys have created this PAC. Um, A PAC is designed to support candidates, and you have a candidate that you are ready to endorse. Talk to me about Representative Greg Lensman. Yeah, we're so excited to be able to talk to you about this. It's a big day for our PAC. When we talked last summer, or this past summer, we were just working on building out all of this infrastructure, and we're finally ready to start endorsing candidates. And we decided to start with Representative Greg Landsman, who represents Ohio's first district for lots of reasons. But he's a former public school teacher, a former Cincinnati city councilman. He is a dad. He is a gun safety champion. And he is everything we're looking for in kids first candidates. So it's so important that we elect people who check the boxes of the issues that my organization cares about. But what's even more important is that we elect people who are willing to speak out forcefully on these issues, not just check the boxes. He is a true champion for our children. And if we want a kids first Congress in 2024, we have to help Representative Landsman keep his seat. 
Representative Greg Landsman represents Ohio's 1st District and is also joining our conversation right now. Welcome, Greg. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Hey, Annie. Uh, we, hey, of course, we, of course, are based in Illinois. Our signal reaches yeah. Wisconsin, Indiana, Michigan. Uh, so we may not be quite as familiar with Ohio politics as uh, certainly as you guys are. So start off, if you would, Greg, tell us about yourself. Well, Annie did a really great job. I mean, I'm a former <laughs> teacher. My parents were teachers. Uh, I've been doing child education advocacy work uh, most of my career, and uh, that has included uh, work around uh, prenatal care, uh, making sure that every expecting mother in in our city here in Cincinnati has access to prenatal care. We've been working on that as a community for, for many, many years now, and we're getting closer uh, to a place where we're seeing uh, you know, better outcomes uh, for all kids uh, when it comes to a healthy birth. And then, you know, we introduced a bill uh, this morning uh, to increase funding for uh, child care providers, family-based uh, and center-based child care providers by increasing the reimbursement rate for, for uh, food. Uh, and um, a couple of years ago, uh, I and others led a ballot measure to make Cincinnati uh, the first city in the country to provide two years of high-quality preschool for three- and four-year-olds, and that passed. Uh, and uh, it's been incredibly effective in, in helping families uh, pay for preschool. It's also been you know, incredibly effective in, in making sure children are ready for school when they get there in kindergarten. And tell me about your race. Um, what about your district? How tough is this race going to be for you in 2024? Well, it's a tough uh, or competitive district. Uh, it, you know, it's a, a, th- a third, a third, a third, uh, a third Democrat, a third Republican, third independent. Uh, same is true for the the breakdown uh, in terms of city suburbs and and rural, rural uh, Ohio. So a third is the city, a third is the suburbs, uh, and then the third is rural Ohio. And it, it's it's a really terrific district in that sense because it's so representative of uh, America. And uh, you know, I uh, we won it in uh, 2022 uh, by five and a half, almost six points uh, against a long-time uh, multi-term incumbent. Um, and so, yeah, we, you know, uh, it was a big win. Uh, a lot of folks didn't think we'd win, but um, I, I think folks on the ground did. And so, you know, we feel good about our, our chances, but, uh, you know, the key is, as as a new member of Congress, whether you're in a tough race or not, is you know, what kind of first impression are you making? And, and we're trying to do everything in our power uh, to make sure folks know that we're, you know, in, in very accessible, account, uh, accountable, uh, reliable, bipartisan, and, 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 you know, part of the solution. And at the moment, that means helping to avert a shutdown. Uh, and we're in the middle of that, trying to um, uh, get some compromise uh, done so that, um, you know, the government doesn't down. So we feel good, but it's it's a uh, it's a competitive district for sure. Um, Ohio, like Wisconsin, has a bunch of really cranky Republicans uh, 
in office that seemed to be always trying to cause trouble. I'm looking back to the August uh, referendum that would have changed hundreds of years of Ohio history and getting citizen initiatives on the ballot. There is an abortion uh, ruling coming up. And, you know, and the Republicans in Wisconsin, even though they've suffered a few defeats, now they're talking about trying to impeach the newest Supreme Court justice. When I grew up in Ohio, it was always there were always differing opinions on things. But I don't remember it being mm, so far right that the the conservative parts were so far right. Tell me about my former state and what you see over the next few years. I mean, you know, J.D. Vance, please give me a break. Yeah, I think, uh, well, it's what what we're seeing uh, in these state legislatures and in in Congress are very far right, uh, extreme uh, ideologues who uh, aren't core believers in our democracy. And, and, and that means in Ohio, they, they tried to push a ballot measure to undermine our right as voters uh, to take uh, something uh, and, and put it on the ballot. And if a majority of voters uh, approved it, that would be uh, part of our Constitution. They wanted that to... Uh, change to 60%, which, of course, is not democracy. And, you know, the, the, the reason they wanted to do that was to uh, stop a majority of Ohioans for, from uh, saying, hey, we want to uh, 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 restore reproductive freedom, uh, which is on the ballot this November. Uh, and it would have stopped uh, Ohioans from... Uh, other things like going to the ballot and saying we want common sense gun reform, which the vast majority of Ohioans want, uh, because as Annie said, and you all know, you know, gun violence is now the leading cause of death for children. And, you know, adults have no greater responsibility than how we care for our children. And at the moment, we are uh, not anywhere near. Uh, what we should be doing uh, to ensure that our kids are safe and that they have uh, the supports, health care, food, uh, education, uh, et cetera, that they need. But that's why what Annie's doing is so important, because it will begin to shift the conversation away from uh, all of the things that get our attention now to children and mm-hmm. what's best for them. We are talking with Dr. Annie Andrews, a CEO and founder of their future PAC, and U.S. Representative Greg Landsman from Ohio's 1st District. We're going to continue our conversation right after a break. You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. I am joined by Dr. Annie Andrews, CEO and founder of their Future PAC, and U.S. Representative Greg Landsman from Ohio's First District, the founder of their Future PAC. Uh, their Future PAC has endorsed Greg in his uh, effort to get reelected to Ohio's First District. Annie, what other endorsements uh, might be in the pipeline here? Yeah, so Greg is our first, and, you know, I'm actually in Cincinnati today. I'm here to talk to pediatricians at the Children's Hospital tomorrow about the epidemic of gun violence. 
So it made sense to do this with Greg while I'm in town. We have a series of endorsements that we'll be rolling out in the coming weeks. And also later this week, we're going to be announcing our Kids First agenda, which talks to all, speaks to all of the issues that Greg was just talking about. And just to sort of highlight why these issues are so important to me, you know, I also am an active pediatrician. I work in the Children's Hospital in Washington, D.C., and every pediatrician who goes to work in a children's hospital all across the country faces these challenges every single day. So hypothetically speaking, a patient that is, you know, in every children's hospital across this country, I recently cared for a child who lost her father to gun violence, her School is failing. She can't play outside because there's gunshots every night in her neighborhood. Her mother is struggling to put food on the table, struggling to pay for her asthma medication. She continues to be admitted to the hospital. This child has anger issues, likely due to the fact that her father was shot and killed when she was a small child, but she can't access mental health resources in her community. And that is the reality for so many children in this country because our leaders fail to prioritize children's needs. And we need systemic policy change to address these deep, deep issues in our system. And the only way we're going to get there is to, like Greg said, to shift the conversation in Washington, D.C. to put kids first and not kids last. And that's what we're trying to do. And one thing I want to make clear to our listeners, there are nonprofits that deal with this issue, like Annie's TheirFutureOurVote.org, TheirFutureOurVote.org. But then... Um, Nonprofits um, stay out of the political realm. For that, you form a PAC, and there's a PAC called the Their Future PAC, and that is what we're talking about today. It is a political political creation to be able to raise money and fund candidates or fund ad campaigns, fund anything in the political realm to try to bring about change. Any, you're a pediatrician. Um, it would seem that, as you said, pediatricians everywhere, particularly in big cities, see this kind of tragedy all the time. When you talk to the pediatricians in Cincinnati, what is, what is it that you're going to tell them? What is it that you want them to know? I want them to know that we have so much collective untapped power as a profession. People who go into pediatrics do it for altruistic reasons because they want to create brighter futures for our children. We want to help sick children. We want to provide for children in our communities. And pediatricians are so busy learning how to be doctors and busy being doctors that we often do not engage in the political arena. And I learned from my campaign for Congress last cycle that there is a huge gap there is a huge gap and a huge need for people who care about children first and foremost to speak up and start using their voices. So the final message of my talk whenever I speak to roomfuls of pediatricians is it is okay to be political and we actually must start getting political for kids. Do well we've seen with the abortion issue that doctors have to be have to be very careful to stay on the right side of the law and on the right side of politics. The issue of gun violence in kids, do doctors have to worry that their hospitals will not appreciate them being activists on this? That is a great question, and yes. Depending on what part of the country you live in and practice in and depending on who your employer is and what that employer's relationship is with the state legislature, 
We absolutely have to be careful about what we say when we're representing our employers or our hospital systems. But what I remind pediatricians every day is that we are all citizens. We all have First Amendment rights, and it is our duty to speak up regarding what we see when we are in the hospital setting. Because we are the ones standing in the trauma bay when a child with bullet holes comes rolling in and you hear the mother wailing in the corner of the room. We are the ones who are in the hospital room dealing with children who have been shot, who are trying to learn how to walk again or learn how to feed themselves again. And while we have to respect our patients' privacy, we are the only ones who have the privilege of seeing that. It is our duty to use our voices to then go out into our communities and to explain to our community members and to voters what the epidemic of gun violence really looks like and how it's affecting children in our communities. So, yes, we have to be careful. But honestly, I believe that pediatricians and medical professions in all realms of this profession have erred on the side of being too cautious. And as a result, our kids don't have a voice in Washington, D.C. And the moment for children in this country grows more urgent by the day. The um, Their Future Pack supports an assault weapons ban, universal background checks, secure storage laws, red flag laws, increased funding for hospital and community violence intervention programs. One of the candidates they support is uh, Representative Greg Landsman, who represents Ohio's first district. Greg, unless we take over a majority in the House and the Senate, do you think there's any chance we're going to get any of that passed? No, we'll need a you know we'll need new uh, new majorities a uh, majority in the house and uh, you know a filibuster proof majority in the Senate. But that's only a few votes. I mean, you know, it's 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 a half a dozen members of the House. Uh, that's the difference between being in the majority and and where we are now. And you know, one or two uh, uh, senators that. Uh, you know, aren't there uh, who will support, uh, uh, you know, passing this uh, and, and, and suspending the filibuster to do so or, or changing, you know, one or two uh, senators' uh, minds. So I, you know, it does change and uh, this next election, uh, but we're not as far away from this change as, as many may may think. And so that, that gives us, uh, at least gives me hope. And I, I do think that what's going to be key to all of this is uh, having, uh, you know, pediatricians, uh, you know, be more vocal, uh, teachers and, and firefighters and police officers and, and, and parents and, you know, the, the nurses, the folks that people trust, right? Like it is, it is one thing for, you know, me too, or other uh, elected officials, politicians to talk about, but the, the folks that people trust uh, are the, you know, are the ones that they interact with every day. Uh, or, you know, when their pediatrician or their nurse or their, their teacher says, hey, this, this is the number one cause of death for children, and we have got common sense gun reform solutions, uh, you know, please, please make sure to vote. Uh, that makes a huge difference. Uh, so I, I just think it's so powerful and, and very much needed. Well, the reason I say that it looks like we won't accomplish any of this until we have significant victories in 2024 is because of what I'm seeing right now. I mean, Kevin McCarthy is 
thwarted in every attempt to get a budget passed, and yet if he would work with people like you, if he would work with the Democrats, then he would only need a handful of votes to get a, a budget passed. And yet it's like you're radioactive. You know, he doesn't as unless there's something going on behind the scenes between him and Hakeem Jeffries. It certainly seems like they don't want anything to do with you guys. Yeah, it's frustrating because we have there's this there's a thing called a discharge petition, uh, and it's a it allows a bill to sit uh, literally in the house, uh, and and once it has 218 signatures, which is a majority of the house, it 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 it, it has to be put in front of the house for a vote, and uh, we have a discharge petition uh, around this budget. It just needs five. Uh, Republicans to sign on to it, and then we can uh, avert a shutdown. Uh, there is a discharge petition on assault weapons ban and on safe storage uh, laws, uh, and those only need five uh, Republicans to sign on to them. So, yes, it does not require a lot uh, of courage, just some, and, you know, we'll keep putting forward common sense reforms and and be open uh, to working across the aisle in the hopes that they change their minds. And on the budget, you know, there we submitted a, a separate budget agreement, uh, 30 Republicans and 30 Democrats last week uh, that would sail through the House. It would have three, 350 uh, votes, but that would require the speaker to work with us. Um, and at the moment, he's still trying to negotiate with uh, folks that really don't want to uh, be helpful. Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Bulbert, those folks are, uh, you know, they really do want to just see a shutdown. So it's terrible. And he knows that. He, I mean, he may be a craven man, but he's not a stupid man. He knows well, that. And, and where is this supposed yeah. Main Street coalition of moderate Republicans <laughs> that told him that they weren't going to get pushed around by the Matt Gateses of the world? Where are they? Where are their voices? They are getting more and more angry and more and more frustrated. So, I mean, this is going to come to a head at some point because at the moment they've ground, I mean, they've, they've, they brought the whole thing to a halt. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and Matt Gates, these, these folks who are, uh, you know, chaos agents, uh, they, uh, they raise so much money. Uh, when they when they do this, uh, and it's and it's it's so disgusting, and it's the opposite of what the American people want. And so, my hope is that the speaker will come to us, and you know, with his uh, more moderate members, and uh, start working with us uh, and marginalize these folks sooner rather than later, and and soon soon enough to avoid a, a, a very costly, unnecessary shutdown. Annie, in the work that you've done on Capitol Hill, have there been any Republicans that were open to your messages? Well, I mean, I think you know that I've I met with my former opponent, my current representative, Nancy Mace, to talk about gun reform after a shooting on the um, beach that she lives on in our district. And it's interesting because, you know, there's some things they're willing to say behind closed doors that they're not willing to say publicly because they're concerned about being primaried in the next election cycle. 
and all this dysfunction, this dysfunction with my representative and everything that Greg is just talking about, like it just leaves the American people and what I care about, the kids of this country at a total loss. Like we have so many problems that we could be, our elected officials could be working to solve and urgent, urgent issues like climate change and gun violence and a public, a public education system under attack and exorbitant prescription drug prices. Instead of addressing those problems, we see the Republicans in Washington, D.C. playing these games, trying to become celebrities, trying to raise money. And it's disgusting. As a parent and a pediatrician, it's just disgusting. I'm used to working in a setting where people come to work every day to help other people, to help kids, to use their skills to make their communities better. And that's what Greg did as a teacher as well. But we don't have adults representing us in Washington, D.C., and we need change. And I think if we shift the conversation to talk more about kids, kids are very unifying. No matter which side of the aisle you're on, you can, you can bet that people care about their kids. People love their kids and their grandkids. Mm-hmm. So if we start relating that feeling, that emotion to policy choices and to the way we vote on Election Day, then I do think we can start to move the needle on some of these issues. I was talking a long time ago with um, a political observer who said, if we've got to find areas of commonality, that's the start. That's the start to bridging these gaps. And I think that's what you're talking about. Greg, would you agree? Yeah, 100%. I was just going to say, uh, when we passed the preschool promise, uh, it was, uh, you know, a, a, a tax increase that we had to pay for it, uh, $15 million a year to fund two years of quality preschool. And I was in a a more conservative part of uh, of Cincinnati, uh, outside a polling location, and and a woman came up and she said, "Hey, I'm a Republican, but I'm I'm going to vote for this." And I said, "Oh, thank you so much." And uh, she said, "Do you want to know why?" And I said, "Sure, of course." And she said, "Because it's going to uh, help our children, and I'll always uh, vote to help our children." And I, I do think Annie's right. Like this is this is where there's enormous common ground, and we just need folks uh, to. Uh, you know, have the courage to say, look, I, I, I can stand up for myself in a primary and I, I'm going to do what I know is right, uh, which is to protect our children. Yeah. These days, courage uh, in the Republican Party seems to be in incredibly short supply. But I have hope. I have faith, especially with an issue like this yeah. that you guys are talking about, that this could be the oh. beginning of that. Uh, thank you both for being here and talking about this. It is, uh, it's only going to get to be a more important issue as we move into the 2024 election cycle. And thank you for the work you're doing. And thank you for coming on the radio to talk about it, guys. Thanks for having having us. Dr. Annie Andrews is the CEO and founder of uh, Their Future PAC. It's of the organization is theirfutureourvote.org. And the political arm is Their Future PAC. Uh, Greg Landsman is running for re-election in Ohio's first district, and we wish him nothing but the best. We're going to take a break for news and be back with more after this.